Photography Chat with Merlin. Photography Chat with Merlin. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Photography Chat. I'm here with Ian in the studio. Um, we're season three and episode 37 something. I can't remember which one we're at now. Um, but welcome to the studio, Ian. Thank you, thank you. Here I'm just uh, trying to, I've, this is my first time I think ever being a part of some live Instagram thing, so I'm just posting it up and like, hey, check this out, we're, we're doing this. So No worries, man, that's all, all good. Right, all right, yeah, let's see if, uh, see if anyone shows up. Yeah, definitely. All right, cool, man. All right, Let's back see. to it. Get you just a little bit closer. Okay, right? okay. Let me know when we're dialed. Yeah, I think we're good. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so you want to take a moment to uh, let people know about you? Yeah, sure, man. I'll uh, I'll try and do like a quick Coles Notes introduction. So uh, my name is Ian Azariah. I am a photographer. I work here in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, which we are currently recording live from. Um, been here in this city for, I think, about 11 years now. Always, I guess, quote, been a photographer i guess you That's know fair. and um yeah i mean i'm just i'm just a dude who enjoys cameras and i've been very fortunate to uh you know make a living living behind them that's awesome um i i heard about you from a lot of friends that uh, that talk about your tintype work oh, okay cool. and uh so that's what uh, originally got me uh interested in checking you out and having you on here i uh, was curious like uh, how did you get into doing the tintype stuff um, tin type stuff. I mean, uh, that, that sort of just happened because I, I've always been a very tactile guy. I, uh, I really enjoy, um, building things, making things, creating things and being hands on about kind of the creation of things. Okay. I initially when I started photography, uh, sort of in a more serious pursuit or I guess even the original origins of how I became interested in photography was still when, you know, film was the standard and um you know i i thought working in the dark room and making prints was fascinating and things like that and um you know i uh i ended up going to school and obviously as you're probably familiar being an analog guy the amount of like mm -hmm. stuff and space it can sometimes take to do analog. so much so much <laughs> so much right so um i got done school and went traveling shot a ton of film uh ended up you know working in photography shooting for a lot of magazines and doing a bit of commercial work, et cetera. Okay. And um, then I ended up finding my way into film. And in film, where I ended up sort of landing myself into and specializing in was the world of visual effects, but not behind-the-scenes visual effects, on-set visual effects work. Okay. And so by that, what I mean, you know, we would set up um, my cameras that would aid and abed uh, the three-dimensional motion capture process or... I would help out shooting photographs of different textures or actors or props or et cetera, things that would create basically digital assets okay. that could be reanimated for films later. Um, and I was doing this for a, n a number of like you know, large films that were taking place around uh, down here. And then simultaneous to doing that in tandem, I was still shooting as many kind of editorial assignments, portraiture work and commercial work as I could. And... Uh, eventually, it, the film thing sort of just became really full-blown for me. Like, two years where I was in it and, you know, ended up just working myself up through that department and gaining more responsibility. And, uh, you know, obviously, like I described, the tactility and hands-on factor of photography was really appealing to me. And just in general, just building things and making things and stuff like that. 
And I, I do love a challenge, though. And I, I love learning new things. Um, and so this was fascinating to me to be a part of this world of visual effects and movie making and got to experience pretty gnarly things. But um, what happened was is I got contracted to do a film in Texas. And uh, right before the film, um, when I was supposed to fly down there and begin my contract working for this company, Weta, and, and uh, I, um, I ended up having it kind of cancel on me. And oh, shit. Yeah, I mean, sort of, whatever. You know, like, if you're in this game, like, you know, you don't you don't count your eggs till they hatch, you know. That's true, yeah. And, you know, everyone can rah, 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 promise a nice game and say, oh, this is going to be, you know, hey, you know. <laughs> it's like, look, buddy, like, that's great. And I'm, you know, 100% committed to this thing, but rug pulls are real, you know. You yeah. Wanna, you want to be a photographer, prepare to have things dissipate the moment before they actualize every now and again. So, Whatever, you roll with the punches. Um, interestingly enough, like, yeah, I just kind of all of a sudden didn't have my next job or anywhere to really go and what direction to, to drift in. But, um, you know, I, I just, you know, was like, all right, well, what am I going to do now with my time? Like, now I don't have to fly to Texas and you know, yeah. I don't have to go and do this job. And they actually had to pay me a severance package to, to well, That's kind of a nice board. bonus. Like, yes. they still had to yes. pay you even though you didn't get to do the cool thing you thought you were going to do. Right, right. Obviously, you know, I would yeah. have loved to, you know, follow through on the contract and finish it up. But it just, it afforded me that unique combination of, I guess, like, time and money. Right. Okay. Where all of a sudden you're like, okay, like, I got a bit of time on my hands before, like, whatever, you know, the next thing I'm going to do plays out. And so... I decided as a personal project to just kind of go back to those roots because I'd gone so far into the zeros and ones and kind of visual effects world that mm -hmm. I was like, oh, well, let's just, you know, jump back to the OG sort of thing. And um, I was fascinated by Tintype. Uh, me and you, before we actually got on the mic, we were having a quick conversation about a certain type of analog film. Yeah, well, when you were talking about the analog stuff, I was being like, yeah, we were just talking about Type yeah. 55 Polaroid, yeah. which... Really um, jumping the gun, should have saved that yeah. for the mic. But yeah, we were talking about No, no, that, that right? like, the, yeah, like, that's... And what draws you to that? Like, what draws you to Type 55? Well, I mean, so I've just got, like, a deep love for Polaroid in general. Um, but Type 55 was just interesting. Um, the story behind it is, is fascinating because it happened because Ansel Adams. Oh, yeah, no shit. Yeah, so um, Ansel was on payroll at Polaroid. No way. So um, Edwin Land would, like, get him to try out new films and, like, different concepts, bounce ideas off of him and stuff. And he's like, yeah, this toy of yours is kind of cool, but without a negative, it's kind of bullshit. Mm. And that's wow. how Type 55 happened because Ansel wanted a negative, so Polaroid gave him one. Well, I always loved, personally, the imperfections of your Type 55, right? Yeah. The beauty was in, in the awkward, uneven chemical developments you might find and things like that, you know? Well, this is the beauty of Polaroid. Like, exactly. uh, I've recently just started getting into 8x10 Polaroid. Oh, and, boy. Um, That's cool. Well, I'll talk about that later. That's, that's fascinating. It's, it's so much fun. Um, I picked, like, my friend Henry uh, sold me his, uh, his Deerdorf 8x10 oh, last week. Okay, so this is a new, a, new, uh, a new rabbit hole you're diving down. Well, so it's a rabbit hole that I've been planning for years. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I bought the processor and all the like accoutrement to do it uh, when I was leaving Toronto two years ago, um, but didn't have a camera up right. until I was about to say, this yeah, week. you got to have the proprietary processor and stuff. Yeah, like that, so yeah. It's, it's just tucked in over there um, yeah, and the special film holders and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. We had an open uh, studios here last month, something like that. I rented an 8x10 from Bow Photo. 
and uh, was doing portraits here. Oh, cool, man. And I was like, okay, I need to fucking buy it. Yeah, it's, it's a now. romantic format to work in, 100%. It, it is. And I, I've been playing with 4x5, like, leading up to getting into something bigger. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's fun. Now I'm just trying to debate, like, if I want to haul it all down with me when I go to Texas at the end of the month for Policon. Yeah, I know all about that. Um, Policon, I just, yeah, I'm learning here. I, yeah. yeah, so, so uh, you know, it's interesting talking about Polaroid. So there's a whole convention that happens every year in uh, Denton, Texas. I guess that's Tintype folk also have something Tint, like Well, that. Tintype, uh, we, tintype um, for gym. a couple of years, yeah. we had uh, Tintype people there. So there's a, a Dallas native, Ellen Wishart, uh, who has like a portable Tintype studio on a trailer. Up, yeah. And uh, she uses like an Ansco 8x10 for, for all of her work. Beautiful camera and beautiful studio. Like she hand built it all herself. Nice. And her tintypes are wonderful. And then for a couple of years, uh, my friend Brian, Brian Giesbrook out in Chicago, uh, he would haul down all of his gear. Oh, yeah. it's, and, a, it's uh, an effort. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's a massive effort. He had these gnarly lights that were like the sun shitting in your face to uh, make the picture work. And oh, yeah. That's, yeah. uh, that's pretty accurate. Were they yeah. continuous lights? No, they were just, just like a big, big like big boom. Yeah, it was like four of them, yeah. just like you're, and it felt like you got an instant sunburn from it. Oh yeah. Um, and then one, the first year I went in 2018, uh, the Project Barbatype guys were there, and those guys were pretty cool because uh, they insist on using like the cyanide development because oh, right, in right. in their mind it like it's, makes a better picture. <laughs> yeah, it makes it creamier. I'll give it that much. Yeah, me. it makes it like it's just, it just makes it bit of a sepia tone that's a little more intense but like yeah but they're like but it's also just, super toxic can also just kill you so yeah you know and, and like <laughs> i care about the quality of my photographs but let me tell you like you don't want to kill someone no i'm not yeah. i don't want to kill someone i don't want to kill myself i definitely yeah. don't want to kill anyone's dog you know like oh shit i didn't think of dogs <laughs> i always think of the dogs i'm surprised that they never killed anyone honestly because most of the times when they do their um well, the their tin types is, would be I, at trade shows and stuff right well i mean to reel it back a little bit it's not necessarily that deadly in the format that I actually process photographs it's just that if you hold the raw chemical itself at your studio in a powderized format Mm -hmm. for any reason and you don't have it mixed into its diluted liquid form which is what you actually use to develop the tintype yeah then my friend you might have a problem so there's you know and um in fact sulfuric acid is also one of the main components of tintypes in terms of how i chemically composite a lot of the things and so if you have sulfuric acid actually mix with um cyanide uh um i can't remember what it forms but it's basically like a deadly poison cloud. oh yeah yeah that's that's yeah you know that yeah, stuff that's chloroform or something i don't know it's bad it's bad. It's, it's like the, yeah it's, it's so it's the bad stuff like you, don't, you know you that's cool that. and all I'm, i appreciate their purism <laughs> um i guess but like at the end of the day like we're talking about like it is such a minute difference if you go and you watch people who do like the side by side comparisons. I'm like, dude, like, I mean, like, that's cool and all, but like, uh, you know, I'm well, just gonna like minimalize the amount of like <laughs> overhead and risk I have to take. Just you already have to. Well, and, and not not to chemicals. be like totally ignorant or anything, but like I, I had one done by Ellen, one done by Brian, and one by the Barbatype guys, and. I didn't see a difference. 100%, my man. I do this all the time. I see a lot of them, and I can tell you for a fact, there's never been once where I'm like, oh, you should have fixed it. <laughs> no one ever says that. You're just gonna be, I'm going to either in my mind like, like, look like... But it's like you get anyone who like, shows me a tintype that I shot, though, honestly, number one thing I'm like is like, congratulations, you know? Like, 
when I was first trying to start getting into this, um, I messaged a guy and uh, I, I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, like, what's up? Like, I'm going to get into Tintype, you know. I was wondering if I can, like, pick your brain about it, right? And um, the guy messaged me back a response that I now have personally adopted where uh, he, because you, you get these messages a lot. Yeah. And he basically says to me, he's like, look, buddy, you show me a tintype that you have shot and I don't care if it's the worst fucking tintype in the world as long as you personally crafted it I'm willing to take the time and sit down and talk with you about stuff right but like if you think that like I'm going to take the time to sit down with every Joe Schmo and then this was and I, you know and I like honestly I was like oh, well I respected his response at the time as well I was like yeah man like if you don't just go I was going to sit down with every single fucking Joe Schmo who like messaged me being like yo like that's gonna be a lot, yeah. Yeah, he's like, look, but like this is, and like I, met, I talked with him about it, like, though, because like I was like, all right, no problem, dude. Like I get my chemicals like in three days, and I have this thing done five, like next day, I'll have some images for you, one hundred percent, and all. And I just want to talk, you know, and I just want to pick his brain and build like the overview of what I was about to try and uh, accomplish, you know. I wasn't, yeah. you know, um, but no, he's a cool, dude. Once, once we we bridge that gap and stuff. <laughs> um, anyways, I guess I'll finish too. I especially just tying up how I ended up like getting into scene type. So yeah, I had that situation happen, and I just wasn't in the world of visual effects. I had that time and money bubble, and I ended up, um, you know, sort of just spon spontaneously just being like, you know what, hey, like I I want to you know pursue this tin type thing, which has sort of just been like you know floating around in the back of my brain for a bit, but I still, like, hammered down in the world of visual effects that I couldn't, like, really allocate enough mental space to it. Absolutely, so yeah. I was going to be full-blown. Although, I did have some plans to hypothetically get the chemicals together when I was Austin to try and start doing it. And in addition, there's a guy who's, like, a phenomenal portraitist out of Austin who does tintypes. Oh, wild. Who's that? His name's Adrian. Adrian. Um, I don't know him, actually. Okay. Um, I just, like... He's just a dude out of Austin who shoots tintypes. He uh, has a mobile tintype studio next to a bar called Justin's Brasserie. Um, and, like, I just saw all the work he was doing. I thought it was phenomenal. And I, I, I thought initially when I got to Austin, I was like, oh, I'm going to go see this guy. I'm going to go get my tintype done by him, you know, shake his hand, and, you know, congratulations, thanks for keeping this alive. And, and then I yeah. would consider from that point trying to undertake it. But then once I lost that position in film, I no longer always wanted to tax this. I was just like, well, I mean, like, let's go. Let's do this, right? And there's no yeah. one else really, like, no one else around was really doing it. Like, in fact, it took over. It was like, I was like two and a half years down the road of doing tintypes until I ever saw another human make a tintype in real life. I'd never seen it done. Really? Never. I'd never oh, wow. seen it done. When I started undertaking the process of teaching myself how to do tintype, I'd never once in real life seen another human make a tintype. You gotta come to Policon then. Well, I mean, I, it's way too late now. Now I'm the <laughs> no, guy. Now, the, now, yeah, now, I'm, now I'm the guy where everyone has seen me do it. Since I'm just saying it's weird because yeah. you know, like you usually, like, it's like you know, it's like it's a lot easier to learn how, like you know, skateboard a BMX if you see other people doing it. Exactly, like you can kind of see this it. other Adrian guy. He was actually a BMXer as well, and oh, I, nice. I was I'm not really so much of a BMXer now, but back in the day, you know, I loved loved bikes, loved dirt jumps. Most importantly, shaping and building things. Right, and he too is like a xbmx dirt jumper and i feel like somehow his images first mitigated their way into my life through the feed of a bmx dirt jump spot that was legendary here in vancouver that was getting torn down oh. i think perhaps i can't remember where it was but it was almost a bmx dirt dirt jumping tin type 
I think was the first thing that brought me into his world. Hmm. And then I realized that that was more his passion project in types. And, um, you know, he just ran like a portrait studio and like, that was his main thing. That's pretty cool. Oh, it's uh, down there. <laughs> um, that sounds like a wild trip getting in, into the tintypes there. Um, yeah, and then I just got got to it, and then I found actually a super cheap eight by ten camera on um, Craigslist. Like the next day after I conceptualized the idea, yeah, that doesn't like, happen anymore. No, no, no. Well, I mean, I could. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to go through like cameras and the ones I bought and for what price. But let me tell you, it was when I was young. I, I spent what I thought was a lot on cameras, and it ain't nothing on what they are now. You it's, know? it's bonkers like, wow. now. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's heavy. You know, I know it was weird because I just hit up uh, Craigslist and I was like, oh yeah, you know, and I typed in just like eight by ten camera. It's like my first search, right? And it was like boom, like this one popped up. Like oh yeah, eight by ten Cambo. Um, oh, like the rail cam then? Yeah, yeah, yeah rail cam. I like Those that. Good. Well, it's phenomenal when you work in portraiture. I mean, you can actually do it with the Deardorff to a certain extent, but in portraiture, a lot of people don't even realize that the 8x10 cameras can move like this. But, like, if you're ever doing portraiture, come by one time if you have a camera set up, I'll show you how to do it. You'll notice that in the framing, sometimes you want very small increments forwards or backwards. Yeah. But the amount that lenses usually, quote, breathe an image on an 8x10 is actually quite dramatic. So small movements with the re-racking of the focus can create pretty dramatic um, framing differences. Absolutely, yeah. Right? So... Have you ever used your 8x10 camera, and this is why the rail system is so sweet, to roll both the back standard and the front element forwards or backwards together in unison at the same time? I haven't done it in unison, but um, I was playing with, I, I've got a two, I think it's a 240 or something that I got for my um, 4x5, but yeah. it just was... I never really liked it on there. Uh, it's more so, just gear talk, which is boring nerd yeah. stuff. But yeah, like but I was playing with the real camera. Here. It's nice because I do a lot of portraiture, and if I ever need to like move my camera in or outwards up to four inches, it's a real pain to relocate your sticks with an eight by ten because they're quite large, etc. Yeah, but so you can move the whole can, thing. Yeah, you can just take both the back element and front element and move them forward. And your Deardorff will do that too, but only to a degree of about three inches. But it's incredibly useful if you're trying to frame a perfect portrait on the fly. It, yeah, it's interesting how the trays work on it because it's like it's got three, yeah, three spans yeah, three that gear, can come yeah, out. Three and, gears and some rack pinions. Um, it was funny when, when Henry was like, he's been teasing me about it for like a year now. Yeah. Like, and he invited me over to his place the other week um, to properly dissuade me from buying it. <laughs> like he was, he was torturing me about it. He's like, all right, do this with it. Now do that with it. See how the knobs feel really rough when you're trying to use them. <laughs> he was trying to make the experience seem really bad. And it just made me want the camera even more. Like, you know, after like a, a couple of hours of like going back and forth, this is he's like, I, I hope I've properly discouraged you from wanting to purchase this camera. Yeah, <laughs> a, like, part, a part of the part that attracted <laughs> me and I too was the use of large format cameras. It's just fascinating tools. Yeah, and, absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And I was I've always been curious about Deardorff's um, just because of the lore around him, like yeah, I, the old Avedon lore. Eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I scratched that itch early in college, and then I realized that in fact, a eight by ten camera is nothing more than a box. It's just yeah, it's just a yeah, box. It's just a box. Hey, but I mean, that being said, dear Dorser, they're very stylish. They're, yeah. they're pretty, and well, and I like the story around it because like Henry was, uh, he did a lot of work with like Stan Douglas and uh, Rodney Graham, Dana Claxton, a bunch of other like folks there, and uh, that was mostly with an eleven by fourteen Deardorff, which he sold a while back, 
And that thing looked white. He showed me pictures of it being used. It was on two tripods. There's one for the rear standard, oh, yeah. one for the front standard. Oh, you should see and these cameras that all these tintypes are building, too. I mean, tintypes make... Because you can only contact print tintypes, right? So yeah. <coughs> your capture plane needs to be as large as, like, the tintype you're about to shoot. So people get pretty nutty with it, you know? People get really nutty with the cameras they build. I, I think it's it's re it's really becomes just kind of a comes a, a rich man's game in a major perspective at that point. It's not so much just like shooting the tintypes. That's that's no problem. It's it's more just like the back end of like what are you gonna do with all these two foot by two foot tintypes? You know, storing them. All yeah, of a sudden you're gonna need like oh yeah, you gotta have like entire massive studio spaces or garages like full just to like properly store them well and trophy or plates not like, light uh no and i like i personally shoot on like stuff that's much thicker than most tin types as well. what 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 do you shoot on uh i don't actually i don't know what it's called per se but it's just kind of like um it's it's just thicker you know okay it's like it's just this like thicker it's the same stuff. It's still just, yeah, trophy. Just a thicker. Trophy aluminum, but I just get it thicker. And it's double-sided blacked. Oh. It's double-sided black gloss. Most people shoot on a very thin Yeah, one, with single-sided. single-sided black gloss. I go for a double-sided black gloss, and it's about three times as thick as usual. They're super rigid. Hmm. Yeah. They tactically feel phenomenal. <laughs> it costs yeah. me a lot more money to shoot on, <laughs> to be honest. And, like... <laughs> I don't know. It's just to me, it's it, the experience is so much nicer, especially feeling them and holding them. They just have like uh, a great bit. Plus, if you ever peel a plate, other tintypists will know what I'm talking about here. Sometimes um, the residue of the vacuum seal can stick to the plate and it can create a completely uneven surface that will show through in the collodion. And uh, through the double sided, it just gives me the ability to have two shots of getting a perfect black side because you only got to shoot on one side. Oh, like when you peel the plastic yeah. off of the. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. That you makes see? sense. Yeah, you've seen a couple of ten types go. Yeah, down, I've yeah. seen a couple. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I, before the world ended, um, I was going to head to Chicago. There's a guy there, Doug Hansen, that um, will teach you how to do tin type. He'll teach you how to Dougie. Yeah, but he's like, it's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> really that's Good. not well, honestly the thing is is like ah, being it, taught tin types is almost like if someone rolled up to you right and they're like yo man like i will teach you how to drive a car for like a thousand dollars right that's usually what like a tin type workshop costs or something 600 bucks I don't know. His, his was a lot cheaper but he was basically like i teach you how to do it and then i make you do it until you hate it Okay, well, that's, that's that guy sounds like a lot of fun to party with. Yeah, he's a really cool dude. <laughs> yeah, like, and, yeah. And, like, my friend Brian, that's who he learned off of. So okay. I was, like, super excited okay. about that. And then fucking COVID happened. Oh, and, weird, yeah. You know, it's I moved back here, so. Well, I think just, it's just, like, once you know, though, the thing is, is, like, so much of knowing is in the preparation of the chemicals. So unless they make you just, like, boom, do it all from scratch and, like, make you mix all the chemicals. It's more just, like, dealing with unknown problems that you can't really foresee in, like, a controlled workshop setting. It's mm. difficult. It's almost like, it, it to me at least, This is, but this is more so just me speaking on my personal way of how I like to learn and do things and immerse myself in tasks that I'm trying to accomplish. It's like, if someone walked up to me and was like, look, like, you know, for example, I know that right before I began learning tintype, a tintype workshop did come through town. I only found out later through a friend, Ross, who also shoots tintypes. Um, and yeah, for the price point of said tin type workshop, you can afford all the chemicals you would need to start, as well as a four by five camera at that time. Now, not so much, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, 
So I was like, yeah, well, like, this is like someone coming up being like, I'll teach you how to drive for like $900. But once you know how to drive, you don't own a car. Versus you can buy like a busted Civic that's all clapped <laughs> out for like 900 bones, you know? And you can hit the lot and you're going you to figure this out. And once it's done, you're going to have that that busted ass civic to go and start getting it with, you know, like, you're all right. Dude, I gotta say, I miss busted ass civics. Yeah. Uh, you know what? And you, you, the best was when like, it was just busted ass civics of like those like civic SIs, you know, with the yeah, yeah. spooner engine. <laughs> <laughs> I used to call them angry bumblebees. Um, <laughs> Cause they'd be like, <laughs> I, I grew up in um, Oshawa, Ontario. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do you know a thing about Oshawa? You seem familiar. Up here. Well, I, so I lived in Toronto for five, Five years yeah, before moving right. back here and um you know I, I spent some time in the schwa once fast and the furious hit it was never the same bro. <laughs> so i, I went the most integrous and civics and glow kits man the amount of glow can would they mod the engine no side skirts and glow kits all day yeah. you don't yeah. need to go fast when you look good yeah. like that's the <laughs> everyone knows that I, I grew up in a small town in the Kootenays, and uh, a lot of the students we had in our school were international students. Nice. Because um, the school district figured out that's how they could make money. Okay, well, word. Um, but that also meant there was a lot of ricers yeah. in, in my school. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, that, that, it, it caught on with everyone. Everyone wanted a Civic or, like, an Integra yeah, or a Prelude, yeah. and, like, they all had the coffee can exhausts. 100%. The Mugen stickers. Dudes <laughs> at my school were literally <laughs> taking their Civics and, like, pulling them up to semi-trailers that were parked, like, close by to see if they could get them under the semi-trailer. <laughs> That's like, yeah, the yeah, I swear. I swear, I saw it one day. I saw them trying to nose under. They're like, it ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Well, yeah, so that was a total, like, lie. Like, that was movie magic because, like, they, yeah. they made them really low profile, I but mean, then they, also they, they jacked, jacked up the up semi truck. The, yeah, it's still, yeah. yeah so it's like, yeah, I mean, obviously, but like, you know. And that's why they shot it at night, too, so it wasn't as obvious I mean, that they did all that kind of shit. Like, you know. Try, but, and tell, try and tell that to the smooth brain kids <laughs> I went to high school with, you know? Yeah, Vin Diesel would never lie to me. <laughs> yeah, Vin like, Diesel never, <laughs> never. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe how long that franchise has lasted. Hey, I mean, I make sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's a fun time. No, no. I actually canceled my photography program in high school the year before I was like eligible to enter it, so that kind of just whoosh, passed uh, me right by, you know. See, I skipped it, and I, I kind of that's something I regret because um, a good friend of mine, we went to high school. Yeah, she's a photographer here, Don Stenzel. Okay. Um, she was like super heavy into that shit, and basically like the only one that had the dark room because like no one else wanted to do it. And she was like, "Hey, you should try that." And I'm like, "Whatever, nerd. I'm gonna <laughs> get drunk on the weekend." And I there's a, a a big part of me that sort of regrets not jumping into that because like there's like a large chunk of time that I missed out on where I could have spent more time with Polaroid or could have done this or that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I ended up going like the digital route for a long time. And, and didn't find the analog stuff until I moved to Toronto in um, 2017. For me, it was just like, it just kind of happened to me in a sense where, well, like I was mentioned, BMX kids, right? Yeah. I mean, my brother liked to, you know, shred bicycles, still do to a certain degree. And, uh, you know, uh, my dad kind of talked himself, not in any professional sense, but like, yeah, know, always had the camera. This is back in the day where like, you know, shooting photographs, it didn't just fucking happen. You got an iPhone. Like, no, you had to like put work yeah, into it. I had to carry the camera, take the shit to Black's Canadian <laughs> Development Lab. I, I miss Black's. Yeah, I take it to Black's. These guys would develop the film. I remember one time, um, 
we were supposed to be like going to the skate park in like Cleveland and um skate oh because you were in Oshawa yeah makes, it, so you, it's like, not too far right yeah, yeah that's not that's not yeah, far but at all. anyways we went to the skate park and like it's a skate park we used to go to a bunch it was called Changa World it was really sick and within like 30 minutes of getting there for some reason like all of us just like hurt ourselves badly we're like oh man let's go home for some reason on the way home we hit Pennsylvania and one of my friends like Brett or Anthony or something um <laughs> was like we were like it's like a mad sign for some reason we're just like yo let's just drive to New York City you know when you're all like hurt and busted, you're like, let's yeah, go and it's you. like, oh, it's like ten o'clock at night. We're on like, you know, why not? Listening to probably like some stupid emo music because that's what kids did back then, right? Like, death yeah, exactly. Cute, I don't know, right? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's actually just, kind of funny. A bunch of skate kids driving to New York listening. To I don't know. Guy. I don't know. I, I actually, like, no. I actually do remember what we were listening to on that trip, and for some reason, it was like a lot of like Wyclef Yawn for some particular reason we had like a lot of that going on because you know that was back Wyclef in the day. was the shit well, back yeah, then yeah well I mean it's just still he holds it down but like yeah, I was just saying that was back when you had them anyways we drove all the way to New York City like overnight for no apparent reason like parked our car like right near Times Square we had no idea where we were I remember like I just thought it was fascinating I was just like man the energy in New York is sick as fuck you know like this place rules and like <laughs> just like got back in the car and they just like booked it home for some reason because we're like yeah we gotta stay tight on our timelines and pretend like we're at the skate park the whole time or something right (laughs) and um i have my dad's film camera because kind of shooting photos of my friends bmxing and being on these road trips was like how it started because my dad had these great photo albums and i remember it was like all of a sudden i used to love looking through them and i was like well you know shit like if i don't start shooting photos myself because like my brother got a driver's license which is what enabled us to do all these hooligan dumb things yeah um i was like well like because he used to drive his skate park and he used to shoot the photos and then like my brother got a driver's license and i was like well if like, i want like a continuity of this story kind of like how yeah, you're to keep it going yeah, if you, you, you you're missing those like immortalized moments i guess if you want to interpret it like that yeah yeah you're just like <laughs> i gotta keep it going and so i remember i just like borrowed like a, one of my dad's old rebel cameras or something and like started just a like, cop and film and so i shot a bunch of photos in new york and remember we didn't tell him we just tried to play it off like he'd never gone <laughs> and i gave him all the film right and i was just like yeah film, film right <laughs> he's <laughs> like what the fuck are you doing in new york right so he takes it to blacks you know <laughs> 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 just like takes it to blacks and gives it gives the film all to them and like they just like basically take it and yeah go and develop it and then he like takes a peek at the photos after it dies man like are they trying to make cleveland look like new york like what's cool? <laughs> anyways the truth came out the truth came out that, that's almost like a you know lost my wallet in el segundo kind of story yeah yeah there you go yeah, <laughs> yeah it was like you know the, the film the film told all the lies it was, it was the facts but yeah, but it's it's cool to have like those those memories behind it. You know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it was sweet. And like that, I think that's maybe since you're obviously an analog warrior, and obviously to a degree I am as well. I feel like you know almost like a these days it's it's almost just what I do professionally. Mm-hmm. It's like I help people have things like I was inspired through my dad's work and my dad's photography. Have this own personal photo album that was so tangible. And every time I go fucking home. I can go and look up on the bookshelf, and it'll be labeled chronologically by a year. And I can pull one out, and I can be like, boom, like that's what my bitch ass and all of my friends looked like at that <laughs> period in time, right? That's and it's super so cool. easy to just, you know, washes you by so slowly that you don't realize until the gapping of time has occurred. And now, that's literally what I do professionally, is that, like, I help people have that small fraction of what that's like in their life. 
because so many people, you know, myself included, besides the fact that I shoot tintype, so many people can shoot a million digital photographs and have like... Yeah, but where do they go? Exactly, and there's just like a million posts on the IG. Like, yeah. You know, you don't, get, like, you don't get that same feeling of being like hit with an instant flood memory by like actively going back in your timeline. That's not, it's not like a random memory recall. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not just like, oh shit, like I just saw that. Like everyone knows what it's like to go home and like be going through their old like closet and you pull out those photographs and you don't have that expectation of what you're going to see but when you usually reverse your timeline a lot of people are like um you know uh a lot of people are looking for something they're trying to find something that's come to their mind already Mm -hmm. and i don't think you'd have that like random memory recall that's so exciting and so refreshing to bring you back to like untapped memories uh, unless you have a physical print and even with yeah, something book. to hold yeah. exactly yeah and so yeah. like i think that's that's just, that's fun for me to be like realizing now that you know i'm i'm uh, i'm just doing that in a, in a professional scale where i'm allowing people to have these very physical very permanent very tangible memories for life Whoops. Um, oh, that, wow. that's that kind of like why I, that, that's sort of why i like polaroids is uh I've got this sx70 this thing is tricked out for all the radio listeners out this there. this one's actually pretty cool so yeah, um, checking this baddie out this thing's got a see-through front yeah a, a pal of mine in texas uh zane pollard he, oh, ma- yeah. he made this thing for oh, me i follow some guys who fix cameras um, on instagram i think it's so fascinating he, he might be one of them oh um, there you go so yeah. retrospect makes the case but zane built this this bad boy for me because uh, the SLR 680s only ever came in black. So this is an SX-70 sonar with the guts from a 680, and then he put a split prism focus screen in there for, so, like, doing the so manual focus. Level stuff, dog. Right yeah. now I'm doing a lot of wiring at home. I'm actually building a, a photo booth from scratch right now. Not, oh, not wow. an analog one. My other my ones I currently own are analog photo booths, Model 17 autophotos. Um, I'm fascinated, and I love that format. I love what it puts out. That's the one that you have up at... Uh, the one that I have yeah. up at Heroes Welcome, yeah. And that's the one where I actually did this mod to it. I'm the first person ever to have done it, which is wild. I couldn't believe no one had ever done this before. What did um, you do with it? I cut a hole in the goddamn side of it, and then I put a darkroom bulb on the inside of it, and then I made a window out of what's called Rubyless with only light or photo light-safe wavelengths through it. Oh. And there's basically an interior-illuminated darkroom-safe bulb that allows you to look through a darkroom-safe window. And oh, and see what's yeah, going on. Yeah, man, you can see this whole thing, like, make the strips, right? Shit. And you can see because it's... It, what that process is, it's... Uh, find my light here losing it oh <laughs> yeah so what that is is like uh it's a it's a photo reversal process right where it's actually a giant cine roll of paper and um the way those work is uh it shoots it through a lens bounces it off a mirror and it exposes it directly onto a sheet of paper okay and then very similar to like classic x-ray development chemicals in fact x-ray development chemicals can do the job of the developer um it's a color reversal process where essentially I'm just like doing a color reversal. So instead of getting a negative, I get a positive print on a piece of paper. Oh, wild. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's, it's, you know, on my Instagram, actually I do have like a story highlight or whatever, where it's my, um, the interior of the booth at work and me doing the mod to the booth. Um, but right now I'm doing something different where I'm actually, um, I'm building, um, digitally gutted or digital internally, digital internal booths that I personally think stay true to the spirit of what a photo booth should be as closely as possible because you cannot buy it. Mm. Where I'm building them where one, they're strobe actuated, so they pop. I think that's a very important part well, of the experience. you gotta have pop. Yeah, everyone's yeah. repping all these LED continuous lights. That's whack. 
I need yeah. a pop. I need a slap. So making a pop, I'm making it so they don't have any screens in them, that they have the setback camera that projects itself through a black window that you can see your reflection on. You can have two buttons that just make it so it only shoots color or black and white. Those are your only choices. Huh. And it's going to spit out frames that are as close as possible to what I consider like really acceptable digital strip format of memory creation just because that the paper for these analog photo booths is only made in russia actually it's the only place in the world they make it oh shit yeah that's become an issue so yeah because I, I was curious about the paper so is it positive paper or it's uh i'm just looking at these comments you know if i gross man 13 i love you too emily <laughs> We're, we're talking about cam. Next time you're in Vancouver, we can we can talk about camera stuff. Um, it's an old friend from high school. <laughs> Word up, I am. What's up, man? Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's so Russia's the only place that you can get. Russia's stuff the only place in the world that makes the the paper that it goes inside of these photo books, and that's become a big issue. You should like email Ilford and be we like, did. Yo, what's up? Ilf- we as in the community. We Il- like, Ilford was like, nah, hug it up. No, not yet. I mean, like, honestly, we can still kind of get this stuff, and it's still sort of possible. It's just, like, obviously the price is going up on us, and it's really, um, <laughs> it's just funny and frustrating. <laughs> I don't even want to go and launch into the story of how this stuff is acquired now. It's pretty complicated. I got told by somebody else, and I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds a, a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, yeah, so that's that's sort of another side component of my world as well. I, you know, camera guy, like it. That's that's been fast. Once again, building stuff, making physical hard copy memories. Well, and those things are so cool. Like the I, the only other one I've ever seen was at uh, the Parkside in uh, San Francisco. Oh yeah, they've got like an old analog photo booth. They're there. having a mad resurgence right now. All these like famous people are clapping onto them and stuff. Hmm. Um, well, maybe they can get Alfred to make some. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, like, uh, yeah, like, uh, yeah, one of those, one, one of the Kardashians has one at her house. Oh, of course they do. Yeah, totally, yeah. right. And After they ruin contacts. Yeah, let's that's, that's, yeah, <laughs> hey, no, you know, that, that, that was, that, <laughs> whatever. I had, so I had a couple of those back in the day. I have destroyed, in today's dollar value, so many thousands of dollars worth of point and shoots it would make most people just disgusted in fact the way i treat most of my cameras disgust people um, but they're tools like correct. you can't just baby them correct like you, know, you, exactly you use them feel. yes 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 yeah. i absolutely love destroying cameras that's like my favorite <laughs> thing you know it means you're working yeah you know work would be a bold term for sometimes <laughs> what i'm up to when i destroy these bad boys but you know we out there <laughs> no, it okay. makes for good stories no, I had somebody chastise me the other day because I was like snowboarding with my Leica. And like, so? And I was like, I can't believe you would do that with the camera. Like, but do, am I supposed to just yeah. put it on my mantelpiece? You know, these, yeah. and you like, know, these yeah, things you know, were designed them. for war photography before like hipsters appropriated them as the new Rolex. Like, get yeah. the fuck out of here. And like so many people use them for all sorts of crazy shit. I mean, like, I'm bulletproof. You know? I've had that thing, re- you know, speaking of like film repair guys, I'm really, uh, uh, we're, I, we as a Vancouver community owe a lot to Horst. You ever, <laughs> you ever? So I've not met him, but I have heard stories about him. Downright ledge. Respect to Horst. I don't think he's working anymore, so you might have a pressed, hard-pressed time meeting him. I Someone was telling me that like they would go in to, to talk with him and he'd be like working away, and then on like a screen to the side would just be like the most hardcore porno. 
Just that's I'm, I'm, that's how he got his inspiration. Apparently, I mean, honestly, you know? I, I'm not I'm not asking how he does it. I'm just <laughs> whatever like, tunes you in, whatever you be up to. I mean, he was cool. He'd always you know he always sit down and trade stories. And he's a gnarly dude, man. Like you know, and he was full of jus de vie. You know what I mean? <laughs> I liked him. He always. <laughs> He always just called me rock star. I don't know if he... Right. I don't know why he's like, hey, rock star. He's like, just bring him a like. It's just like full of sand. You know, <laughs> like stuff like that. <laughs> and he, just and he was like, all like, wow, you did it again. <laughs> no, he was the guy who like pushed me into buying an M6. So I used to have a Leica CL, which is like, you know. The ba- like the not Leica, yeah, Leica. I mean, it's Leica enough for me, dog. I was well, it says Leica it. on it. You, yeah, know? Sure. And you didn't have the Minolta CLE, so it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's, it didn't make a difference to me. I just like rangefinders and like. Yeah, they're great. No, I'm just all my heroes were all rangefinder doggos. You know, at the time I was like a really big, like, Brisson, Elliot Irwitt kind of guy. And like, you know, I just, you know, all the Magnum shooters I thought were ledges and. Oh, and all my favorite skateboard photographers use them too. So oh yeah, like, well I mean yeah. That's, Who are your favorite skateboard photographers? Uh, Ed Templeton. Templeton. He's a big one. Ray Barbie. Ray. Um, Jason Lee. Jason Lee. Uh, Raymond Molnar. He's got some really cool stuff too. Yeah, you know I ran into randomly at a park in Oregon. I was just tripping down the coast in 2015, and the Vans team was there, and um, I had my hospital with me. Anyways, I ended up taking a photo of. You know Arto, Arto. Yeah, yeah, Ar- yeah, that guy's awesome too. Yeah, one hundred percent dog. I just like clocked him because I mean, like, I'm not like good with like, you know, I'm not even good with like famous people's faces, let alone like, yeah, you know, like whatever, like BMX people. I probably like, recognize just because like that was like, you know, those were my heroes growing up. But like, oh, uh, you know, I'm not gonna clock famous skaters. So I'm really, you know, clocking skaters. But like, I did clock Arto just because I am big fan of his work, and he was, you know. Uh, part of like the quote like a fraternity we all like to be yeah fun. exactly you know clickish assholes it's like poor <laughs> people right whatever so i the, with the whole like a fraternity <laughs> thing i never really understood the whole like a sort of Appeal. thing until um vibe you. a friend loaned me one. Oh yeah i had his m3 for like a year it's like for people who like drive stick shift cars dude i was kind of angry about it because oh, yeah. I'm like, now I need to fucking buy one oh, yeah. of these. No, I lent my friend one yeah. for like a year and he returned it and the lens was trashed. See, that's the thing. <laughs> I, so he loaned it to me with a 50 mil Sumicron and then I got a little scared of mm. breaking the lens because I'm like, the lens is worth more than the body yeah. on the M3. So I ended up buying my own Voigtlander to use with it because yeah. then I'm like, I'll and feel less bad if I break my own lens. Like the body I can get repaired. Yeah, that's cool of you. Honestly, I was yeah. upset because, yeah, this guy wouldn't even admit it at the end. What? Nah, it was whatever. I don't even care. You don't lend people stuff without expecting that, like, you know. Like yeah, but you use like people, like, yeah. step up and, like, you know. I ended up having to trash the lens, actually. Oh, damn. Yeah, such is life. You know, it, it lived a good life. I still yeah. have it disassembled, and I, like. You should frame it. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool, actually. Yeah, and then just, like, put whatever you're afraid of, the cost of friendship. <laughs> Whatever, man. Yeah, no, because you know that's the thing. It's like it's it's cool that somebody like you want because they are so stupidly unobtainable now. They they kind of are. Like, like uh, I personally, if I was like approaching the world of photography at this junction in time, like that was my congratulations to myself for feeling like I had become like a adequate professional photographer. Right? It's like after I managed to like absolutely tooth nail like scrap. I think we were discussing that outside earlier. Yeah, you know, like after I'd absolutely like quote i think the kids call it bootstrap my way into a situation <laughs> where like you know i was like all right we're like i got like a couple lenses and a computer and you know it takes so much overhead to just get going and like meanwhile it's like no one's even paying you nothing when you're starting and um yeah it's, it's a tough go yeah yeah totally totally yeah. and like i remember once i felt like i like 
by no means like retrospectively speaking like was i like you know doing like phenomenal but i was just like i i, I always wanted an m6 just because that's what all the ledges were repping right right and like with the red dot yeah, I, I live without the red dot. That doesn't bother me at all. But what I, you know, I, I I did want a TTL because I'm all about ergonomics, and that thing shoots so much better with its perfectly flush dial to the front plate. Rather it's than a beautiful having, camera. Having a recessed dial, anyways. Found one for like twelve hundred bucks on Craigslist, and like Dude. at the time, just like had the money. And I remember I had bought in like maybe like earlier that year or the year before, like a Canon Seven D, right? Just as like my you know jump start camera so i could sell that and get a mark 5d or whatever anyways i remember i had to pay like 1600 dollars for that 7d and then i got this m6 for 1200 and now like in, in the future that just blows my mind i'm like whoa yeah they're going for like a cheap one's like 3600 but like average is like 42 five grand like yeah, it's ttl so like five fucking bonkers and you're like oh, they're nice cameras don't get me wrong like, hey i mean like if, if if I was better off when I was younger, I probably would have bought an air-cooled Porsche while I was at it, too. So whatever, <laughs> you know, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, you Sometimes, can buy a house with it now. You know, I, there's this one saying that somebody said where, oh, fuck, it's, 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 it's so accurate, where they're just like, look, I'm just, I'm just waiting for my income to catch up with my taste. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That, that's a really good one. Um, I know you have a, a time-sensitive thing here. How sort are you of, doing for of. time? Um, I'm just trying to go and pick up a Tacoma because I don't even know where my phone is. It's uh, somewhere around here. we're 607 right now. Yeah, we should be all right. I just got to go to Delta. I'm just like, okay, this, this guy should be chill. No, I got to pick up a Tacoma because um, I have built for all radio listeners out there, a very complicated, complex cedar cabin on the back of my, Tacoma, which has actually just been featured in a book, which has gone to press and is shipping as of like today. Now that I think of it, like a like a tiny home book or something. Yeah, or? yeah. This guy oh, was like wow. a legend of the tiny home books, not just like some like hashtag van life shit. This guy's like, his name's Lloyd Kahn, and he's like owns like a publishing house called Shelter Publications that's been publishing books since like the the sixties or seventies. Okay. All on like um, really unique construction and um, builders. I think one of his most famous books is called Half Acre Homestead. Then he had this book that was published, I think about 2003 or four, called like Tiny Homes on Wheels. Mm. And like, I think that book was like incredibly instrumental in like inspiring people to do like a bunch of DIYs. Anyways, he's a legend. And like, I, I submitted our build to him and he put it in his book, which is a huge, in my opinion, huge honor that's incredible and i consider that like i'm yeah a massive just like yeah accomplishment i think it's just sick I, i'm stoked about it because that took a lot of like love and effort from you know when's that coming out it's out now i guess you can go on amazon buy it. it'll ship to you it's called um lloyd Con's tiny <laughs> tiny homes on the move yeah. i don't know it's most recent one okay. it's got yeah it's got lloyd this Con. like picture of like a sick jeep with a just like a sheeter single kind of tiny home built over it's like because it's like a um, a convertible jeep and they built it up over the cab it's sick oh, this guy that's cool this guy's yeah there's just a bunch of cool people my friends kaya in it because she built like this amazingly beautiful like tiny home on the back of an international truck and she lives up in squamish the oh, ugly, i think the I've ugly seen, truckling i, believe, I think i've seen that one on term. instagram yeah yeah she yeah. kind of went blew up on tiktok as well yeah yeah, yeah yeah i'm i don't really love like the idea of like trying to be internet famous or instagram or tiktok or any of that shit it's not no. my vibe but you know Right now, my goal for the year is to be dumber. That's like, 
That's my goal. That's a good goal. It is. I I overthink a lot of stuff, and I'm like, you know, I'm very analytical, and like, I mean, shit, I I shoot so so many photos, and I never show anyone. Sometimes I just like drop photos, and I'll have so many people say many lovely things about it. You know, like, oh, I love this. I wish you know, and you know, that that was one of my goals this year. I was like, you just gotta be dumber, man. You just gotta like not think about things. Just sometimes you just gotta shoot for you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, sort of. My me being dumber, I feel like my goal is to think less and just share more. Just because I feel like it's my my overthinking just sometimes limits me from just being like, yeah, sure, I'll put this out. I have no idea what overthinking's like at all. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> yeah, brutal. I think a lot. I I struggle with that one a lot. That that's a tough one. You know, it's um, it's some getting out of your head sometimes is uh, is a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that's uh that's a big thing some people are some people are different you know so yeah that's what's up man anyway so that's Definitely. that's i guess i don't know it's a meandering conversation but that's that's me i guess you know yeah. I, I mean you got any pointed questions to fire at me before you know I no like I, I i think uh i think this is a good spot here yeah like, it was well, interesting I, to learn more about you, you know, and like you should come out for a tintype I'll, I'll i'll update your collection dude i would love that yeah come through yeah. I'm through all, Definitely. Know, all in the house, smashing out for you. You can, I should guess, actually, yeah, if you've made it this far, you know, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well, whoever's we, out we there. Can, we can do a swap. I'll, I'll do your 8x10 Polaroid. Okay, cool. You can just, you can literally, if you you know what, though? You probably need a, like, a shuttered lens to do it. I just, you don't use shuttered lenses in Tintype. Oh, really? Well, I mean, you don't, you can. You don't I, mean, like, I shoot it all in studio, so I expose with strobe and stuff. And so low sensitivity, like 0.5 ISO or less that uh most of my sh- lenses are what they call barrel lenses yeah so and there's just, like, no shutter put like a hat over top of it pull the hat trigger my strobe cap the cap the lens again but i'm sure like you guys would probably require yeah that's good shutter and all yeah that yeah, yeah. no i use I, I assisted a guy who used to shoot a bunch of eight by ten polar right not not for very long i'm trying to remember his name he's got i remember he shot britney spears and this was like back in 2004 i was living Whoa. in chicago oh trying to remember this guy's name again i remember he like drove <laughs> drove a porsche though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's a funny guy his studio was right on chicago avenue next to this bar called the leaky faucet which i okay. remember i used to have to go to underage with my id because that's where photo assistants like met would go hang out and i was like i was just trying to figure it out you know and then i actually i don't know how deep of a photo nerd you are but eight by ten floors remind me of this one guy his name's paulo reversi no, I haven't heard that one. All reverse. If you like 8x10 Polaroid, let me tell you, you want to tuck into this guy's work. Um, this guy is the god of 8x10 Polaroid. I'll definitely and like, check that out. Uh, he shoots with a 500mm Dagor lens predominantly. Beautiful, soft stuff. Um, but yeah, he sold a book. Or he sold a limited edition print of like a thousand of this book called Studio by Paulo Reversi. And it was a phenomenal presentation where the book was like a Tashin book or something. And every time you turn the page... I don't know if the new Impossible Polaroid projects are like this, but usually the way a Polaroid would be presented back when Polaroid made them, there's like a black casing that would go over it that would feed it through the processing. Machine. Yeah, so there's still that. You gotta you put the um, the frame in uh, with like the dark sheet, right. and then it pokes at the bottom of the film That's holder, right. and then you pull it out. And um, does it feed out, and you like open the black thing as a book to reveal what the image is? Not anymore. So it, it, used, to be, it, used, it used to, to be like, peel yeah. apart like that. So that every yeah. single page in this book, when you opened it, was pure black, and it was like you peel the page open to see the Polaroid beneath, and every single page had its own peel and reveal. 
that's kind of fucking yeah. cool. I ended up like saving that book for a short period of time, and then um, I uh, I got done backpacking in, like Asia when I graduated university, and got done doing photo assisting, and I had a ton of film because I just didn't have the cash yet to like buy myself a digital camera, and I need to like digitalize all this shit. And I ended up selling that book on Amazon for like, oh god, I bought it for like 160 bucks, and I sold it for like two Gs. Holy shit. Yeah, this was like three years later. I checked how much they're worth now, and I don't even want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> That's but, fair. <laughs> well, I ended up buying an Imacon Flex-type scanner, like a drum scanner with that money, which at the time was also a lot cheaper than they are now. So, you know, it was kind of Yeah, old. that stuff's crazy now. Yeah, yeah totally, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I, I, I appreciate it rolling through and, yeah, and hanging out yeah, for a bit. Yeah, no, I'm glad um, I could make it. I was, uh, actually, I got to the ferry terminal in Nanaimo today, right? And, like... I, like, just had tossed my bike in the back of my buddy's truck because we were, like, just booting down from Mount Washington to get back here. <laughs> I rolled into the ferry terminal. And the person, like, we get a ticket, and she's like, yeah, you're not going to make it. Good luck. <laughs> but then you did. Well, no, I just, like, looked at my, oh. I forced my hand, you know. I just looked at my friends, and I was like, okay, as soon as you, like, you just went whatever lane they tell you to go into, I was like, pull up and then stop. But stop and leave, like, six feet from your nose to the next car. And then I immediately got my friends to just jump out. We just ripped my, my dirt bike's like uh, street plated. It's like an enduro bike or whatever, right? So I just ripped the motorcycle out of the back. And just like rode over to the motorcycle. Motorcycles always get on the ferry. There's no such thing as a wait for a motorcycle. So I just, okay. like, I just you know, had a motorcycle back home. I was out of gas too. And <laughs> I ended up scoring some gas off like a Harley rider. So it was a real... <laughs> Real mission to get here. I got a shower in and made it just in time to, to be slightly late. So um, thanks for having me, though. No, dude, it's, definitely. Yeah, it was a pleasure coming on. And yeah, you know, it's uh, it's always nice. It's always weird when I just end up to seven to talk about what my life has become. I don't ever think about it too much until these things happen. It well, it's, that's why I like doing this. This thing is just like learning more about people and like you know what what got them into it, what makes them tick versus like talking about the gear and stuff like we that. We did that like, too. Well, a little <laughs> bit. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's hard to escape the gear talk. Sometimes. A little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah I, especially when you're in the world of just like, you know, beautifully constructed instruments, you know, well, that's, they are, they yeah. like, you know, that, that's kind of why I like shooting the old stuff is like, it's just, it feels a little different. Yeah. It's nice. Which, yeah. which is kind of yeah. nice. People like it. People like it. Stay away from that stuff though. People. Yeah, it's, it, it's unless you don't want it. It's yeah, terrible. It's, it feels you, terrible. Yeah. It's, it's awful. Don't do it. It's, it's not, it's not worth what you're going to spend. Um, but yeah, thank you so much again. I'm going to let Mr. Mocha walk us out here. All right. All right. Extra. And yeah, next week, hopefully Ray Barbie is going to be on. Um, he said he confirmed a while back, but he has not reconfirmed. So next week, live will be Ray Barbie or it'll just be me saying, sorry, guys, we'll catch you another time. So. Uh, till then, I hope you have a good week and uh, stay out of trouble and uh, you know, just don't be a dick to each other. All right. Thanks, everyone. All right. Does that make us out or are we, are we on the live internet or what's going on? <laughs>